Hello, friends. Hail and welcome back to A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. I am back from a week off from the podcast and ready to pick up where I left off. If you listen regularly, then you know that I decided to give myself a quarterly break because sometimes you just need to take a pause from an ongoing routine and recalibrate a bit. And I would be doing myself an injustice if I didn't do that here. You know, we all take time off from work or take trips for a little escapism. And even though A is for agrimony hardly feels like work to me because I love doing this, it still demands quite a bit of my time, effort, and energy as it should. Otherwise, why would it even be worth doing, right? So for that reason, I wanted to give myself an occasional break to keep from burning out and to allow myself to stay fully charged and able to focus elsewhere every once in a while. Uh, I'm sure I don't have to explain this to any of you who might be full-time workers, parents, creators, and generally busy people. It's important to take care of ourselves. Love the one you're with, which is you. Check yourselves before you wreck yourselves. Be kind, rewind. Okay, now I'm not making any sense. So I'm back now and it's time for another installment of Fortune and Flora. This time we're taking a page out of the book of the lovers and also learning a little bit about lavender. Lavender is probably one herb that just about everyone knows at least a little bit about and that's because it's literally amazing. I love lavender. I love its smell. I love its medicinal properties. I love its magical properties and I love connecting to the spirit of the plant. So we're going to explore that after getting to know the lovers. But first, uh, before the airing of the next episode, we will be encountering a full moon in Libra on Thursday, April 6th at precisely 1234 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. This moon is sometimes referred to as the pink moon after a species of early blooming wildflower called ground phlox, a pink flower common to North America as well as the sprouting grass moon, the egg moon, and the fish moon, depending upon the region where you live. Very much in tune with the energies of the spring equinox, which uh, very recently passed, April's pink moon signals a time of rebirth and renewal, and Libra is the zodiac sign very heavily associated with balance. These two themes were discussed in my spring equinox episode, and if you feel as though you might have missed an opportunity to honor or really tune into those energies at Ostara, here's another chance to dive right in. The full moon is also taking place on a Thursday, which is ruled by Jupiter, the planet of expansion, growth, abundance, and prosperity, among other things. So you may be interested in working on the energy of renewal in the sense of new expansion on a business, a project, or a relationship while striking the very important balance and harmony that feeds all healthy growth. It's also an amazing opportunity to think in terms of spring cleaning. Uh, what has been junking up your mind, taking up too much of your time and energy, or cluttering your space that simply won't serve you moving forward? Time for a cleanse. Libra, represented by the scales, supports this because it is heavily concerned with making the proper adjustments necessary to seek balance, as well as justice, in all aspects of life. Getting back on track and returning to equilibrium is supported by the energy of Libra, even if it means a lot of disruption in order to get there. And remember, optimistic and generous Jupiter is sure to smile down on you as you work to do right by your spirit self. I'm excited for this one, folks. Let's fuck shit up. <laughs> okay. 
So the last we saw the fool on their hero's journey, they encountered the Hierophant, who totally gave them cringe vibes at first based on appearance alone, but soon taught them the importance and value of learning from community or those that came before, and eventually passing that same sacred knowledge down to those that come after. The Hierophant also taught the fool the importance of the traditions, ethics, and beliefs shared between a community and the fellowship that comes from such cooperation, shared wisdom, and wise counsel. Now we see the fool encounter a lesson that sort of snowballs from that of the Hierophants in The Lovers. We'll see how so soon enough. This is not the first time that more than one figure shows up on a major arcana card, as the Fool had their canine companion, and the Hierophant is frequently pictured amongst his acolytes. But in the Lover's card, there are two figures who appear to hold equal power and importance, and they are positioned just below an altogether more divine figure looking down from the sky. Let's examine the common depiction of the lovers in the Rider-Waite-Smith system of tarot. Here, we typically see a man and a woman standing apart from one another, frequently nude. There's a mountain positioned almost exactly in between them. Both the distance and the mountain can be seen as symbolizing the power of choice and the challenges that come from entering into a nurturing relationships, um, especially one that is equal and balanced. I prefer this interpretation because I see the presence of mountains in the tarot as representations of challenges that either have or will lead to growth once overcome. Uh, Many, however, would argue that this is actually a volcano symbolizing the eruption of passion that happens when two individuals meet, especially in the nude, uh, as they are often depicted. But I think this interpretation is kind of cheap and on the nose, uh, to be perfectly honest, because the infinitely rich symbolism of the tarot challenges us to go deeper. Plus, it seems to harbor and feed into some of society's less than savory associations with sex and nudity, which we really need to move away from already. So the rest of the surrounding landscape in the card, beautiful and fertile, is extremely reminiscent of the Garden of Eden. And you can often spy a serpent coiling around a tree that is often bearing red fruit. Also, you may often be able to count 12 of these fruits, as is yielded from the tree of life. For this reason, many will immediately associate the angelic figure shown above the two lovers with God. But in truth, it is the angel Raphael, the archangel who performs acts of healing and whose name is derived from a Hebrew root word that means to heal and can be translated as God has healed, or God heals. The angel represents both physical and emotional healing, and blesses the lovers, and reminds them of their union with the divine. Raphael is also the angel of air, which is the same element of the zodiac sign that governs this card, Gemini, the twins. Air is associated with mental activity, clarity of thought, and communication in particular, which is the necessary foundation for a healthy relationship. Raphael's blessing seems to give this card a sense of balance, harmony, and union between two opposing forces. So we see a tree bearing fruit with a snake winding its way up the trunk behind the woman. And many would say that this represents the temptation of the sensual pleasures that can take focus away from the divine as well as a reminder of the story of humanity's fall into temptation and into the realm of flesh and sensuality. Remember Adam and Eve. And we also see a tree 
behind the male figure. This one is a tree of flames, typically 12 flames. These flames are said to represent passion as well as the zodiac signs, time, and eternity. And one thing that is really interesting and often changed in the numerous reimaginings of this card is what the two individuals are actually doing in the Rider Waite Smith Tarot Lover's Card. What we see is the man looking at the woman and the woman looking up at the angel. And this very subtle detail depicts the path of consciousness to subconsciousness and then eventually to superconsciousness or rather the physical concerns and desires to the emotional concerns and desires, and then eventually those of the spiritual. I should point out before moving on to numerology that in the Tarot of Marseille, a deck that was made very popular in France in the 17th and 18th centuries, the lover's card shows a man standing in between two women, as opposed to alongside just one. And though the Rider-Waite-Smith version very adeptly conveys the meanings of balance, harmony, and even romance, I think the Marseille deck probably hits one of the other very important meanings of the card right on the head, and that is choice. The need to choose one path, knowing what will happen for the other unchosen path. Here, the man is at a crossroads of sorts, sometimes poised between vice and virtue. The choice between vice and virtue, or the idea that one must make a difficult choice based on what they have learned so far, from the magician to the hierophant, for example, and that that choice should be one that brings balance and harmony rather than instant gratification, often how we should seek to govern our own love lives, I think. Or else there might be consequences. A complete lack of balance and harmony would be a consequence. Is further illustrated in a card that looks eerily similar to the lover's card the devil, which we will get to eventually, but I encourage you to compare the two. Together, they seem to drive home the idea that we must choose balance and harmony in love and in life in general, that we must bring together two forces, often in opposition, or else we must let one go, accepting what can and cannot be reconciled in our lives and choosing what will bring true contentment, or else. Let's keep that in mind while we talk about the number six. Number six is such an auspicious number. It's the absolute embodiment of the heart, and it represents the principle of unconditional love and the abilities to support nature and heal both ourselves as well as others. Remember, the lovers is the sixth card of the major arcana. So number six in numerology holds within it an intense force of compassion and empathy and exudes a warm light emitting the energies of promise and hope like the light at the end of a tunnel. The number six's main role is the use of the heart and soul to be of service to others. In numerology, the number six is heavily associated with partnerships, especially those of an emotional nature. It represents pure empathy for others, allowing them to feel comfortable enough to let their guards down and be open and honest about their feelings, which further allows the six energy to be even more of service and help. Someone in your life who embodies this energy of the number six is someone to be cherished indeed. Some of the strengths of number six are support, protection, and romance. This makes me think of rose and also lavender, actually. 
But in numerology, there are also weaknesses. And although I don't usually go into them because the point of including numerology is to further explain each tarot card, my mention of the duality and almost cautionary tale-like relationship between the lover's card and the devil's card makes me want to cover these quickly. Because you can see how not making choices out of love in order to seek balance and harmony can come from these weaknesses. And they are passiveness or allowing yourself to be overpowered out of a need to please others or keep the peace, self-sacrificing or neglecting one's own needs and well-being for the sake of others, it's compassionate but ultimately out of balance, and idealism, which can lead to extreme upset and imbalance when ideals are unattainable. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, isn't it? I don't know, somebody said that. Because, yes, the number six represents love and partnership, but it also represents the efforts that are necessary to obtain those things and also make sure that they work. And in this case, it's always service without self-sacrifice, love and support without passiveness, and harmonious partnerships free of too much idealism. All relationships are different after all, but they all require balance. So how does all this help the fool better understand this interesting little paradise that he's encountered? Well, the lover's card is deeply rooted in connection and choice. And in between these two main concepts, you will find harmony and balance and what is required to strike that center point to bring two opposites together and reach the connection point. Or as I like to point out, that challenging mountain in between the two individuals on the card. So what is required? communication, honesty, and vulnerability. Without this, these two figures cannot come together in the way that they may be destined to. And this is why the lover's card stands for love, unions, partnerships, relationships, choices, romance, balance, and unity. To put it simpler, the lovers can represent mindful connections and meaningful and harmonious relationships, not those that are driven by passion, lust, or obligation, but those that are born and nurtured out of mutual trust, attentiveness, and consideration. So often the choice being presented is whether to stay or go in a relationship that may or may not be providing these conditions, whether or not to pursue this type of meaningful connection or continue following the path of physical desire instead. Or the choice between, say, a friendship that is old but toxic and one that is new but promises much more conscientious give and take. You can see how the issue of choice can apply to many more scenarios when it comes to partnerships. In some cases, this card arrives to point out that you are, in fact, engaged in a relationship that is so harmonious in love, friendship, and even sex that it is positively soul-honoring far beyond what the path of instant gratification could ever possibly lead us to. The card could also refer to relationships outside of the realm of romance, pointing to the conditions or choices regarding friendships or family members, where the need for love, respect, and compassion are still just as important. And this is the real reason why the two lovers are often depicted in the nude, not necessarily because of any sexual energy between them, although that can be unmistakable in some versions of this card. But because these two individuals are stripped down and willing to be in their most vulnerable states with each other in order to open their hearts to one another and share their truest selves and their deepest emotions, 
Together, they are creating the ideal conditions for trust and confidence to grow. Symbolically, of course, you don't have to have a naked standoff with new friends. (laughs) But what is required for a meaningful relationship is open communication and honesty with those you would seek a deeper connection with when you're ready. So finally, and for all these reasons, the lovers may represent you with the challenge of getting clear and honest with yourself about what your own values and beliefs are, figuring out what you stand for, especially after learning from the Hierophant. After establishing your system of belief or your core values, thanks to the lesson of the Hierophant, you are then challenged to find like-minded people to support you on your journey from there and life partners or love interests who are either aligned with your values or willing to support you on your path, even if they themselves do not subscribe to the same system of beliefs. I think I can safely say we have all faced this issue as spiritual people, as witches, as members of certain religions. Finding the relationships that are supportive in these areas can be a challenging and painful process but ecstasy awaits if we hold out for what we deserve rather than continue down the path of instant gratification or just good enough. So when the fool graduates from the Hierophant and reaches the lovers, they realize that it's time to go into the world and make choices for themselves that will serve and honor their soul's path, that will allow them to stay true to who they are and what they believe in in all that they do. This is how they will be able to be their best self. And in surrounding themselves with like-minded people and loving relationships that support their growth and path, we see the fool start to build a family. So the lover's card encourages us to make wise choices that honor our true selves, even when they are very difficult and come with consequences. Seek harmonious relationships based on balance and trust. Always choose love, as true love will always support these aims, and to seek harmony amongst opposing forces. Man, I don't know when Mars will be leaving Cancer, but I just got myself a little bit weepy-eyed with that one. So let's move on to oh-so-soothing Lavender. (laughs) Lavender. Before I wax poetic about lovely, wonderful lavender, I'm going to flip this shit on its head and talk about lavender in the Victorian language of flowers, which is surprising in meaning as well as its relatability to the lover's card. Because the Victorians designated the meaning for lavender as distrust. That's right, distrust. And the reason for this is that historically, lavender has always grown in hot climates where asps or venomous snakes frequently made their homes. Thus, the beautiful and fragrant flower could lure a curious person to their death. Some say the asp that killed Cleopatra was hidden in a bundle of lavender. And a bouquet made from lavender and foxglove was intended to encourage a friend to reconsider their choices. So I can't help but be reminded of the snake spotted on the lover's card, um, the absolute need for trust between the two lovers in order to make their relationship one that is meaningful and balanced. And of course, the core meaning of the lover card being that of choice. How strange (laughs) that an almost baffling designation for wonderful, beautiful, amazing lavender actually aligns with the lovers so well. 
In truth, I chose lavender for this episode because it is also ruled by the element of air. One of its zodiac signs is Gemini. It is concerned with the heart chakra and also very much in tune with the powers of love, balance, communication, clarity, connections, healing, blessings, emotions, fidelity, friendship, romance, harmony, marriage, peace, protection, relationships, stability, and support. It felt like the right choice for me long before I ever opened Floriography, an illustrated guide to the Victorian language of flowers by Jessica Rue. But beyond this, I found another connection to the lover's card in the illustrated herbiary by Maya Toll. Uh, and that is the dual nature of the herb. If you aren't familiar with any of the books and decks in the Wild Wisdom series by Maya Toll, I can't recommend them enough. There are some of the most beautiful portraits of pure plant spirit medicine I have ever seen, and the wisdom shared is invaluable. So I hope you don't mind, but I'd like to read you an excerpt on lavender. Tough love. Lavender. Lavendula augustifolia. People think lavender is soft, useful for sharing quiet space and calming rowdy children. But beneath her powdery scent is a hint of menthol. Smell it? That bite at the back of your palate? While lavender appears to be down-to-earth and a gracious grandmother who'll soothe your soul and sing you to sleep, you're living a rare and blessed life if that's all you ever need from her. If circumstances should change, call on lavender. She handles emergencies with military precision keeping a cool head and a stout heart. She'd make a fine spy, field nurse, or the leader of the resistance, cloaking her steely strength under a sloppy gray bun and the familiar scent of summer. When lavender appears, it's time to ground yourself and dig into the task at hand. Reflection. Do you cool or inflame? How do you handle the ups and downs of daily life? Are you cool-headed and empathetic? Or do your own emotions rise up, keeping you from helping yourself or others? Do you step in or walk away? Do you thrive on drama, inflaming situations simply to watch them burn? Lavender approaches every emergency with the same question. What can I do to create calm on every level, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual? How can you bring this lavender lesson into your life? Well, my suggestion is for soothing because medicinally, lavender is known to calm anxiety, encourage restful sleep, and even help relieve headaches. Unless you're one of those rare folks who dislike the sense of lavender to the point of it actually causing a headache. And to you, I say, I am so sorry. <laughs> but we can't deny the scent of lavender has pleased the olfactory senses for thousands of years. The ancient Romans planted the heat and sun-loving plant as far and wide as their empire grew, and in 2003, a perfumery from 2000 BC was unearthed in Cyprus, and evidence was found that lavender was one of the main oils processed there. Today, lavender is used medicinally and magically by modern practitioners, with its main magical properties being that of peace, intuition, love, healing, protection, peaceful dreams or nightmare prevention, happiness, purification, and longevity. Lavender finds itself in many spells for self-love and healing, helping to make the workings more effective. A pillow filled with lavender can help bring peaceful sleep while protecting from both nightmares and unwelcome nighttime spirit encounters. 
You can add chamomile for extra healing and calming, or mugwort for dreams that are both peaceful and prophetic. Paper intended to hold love letters are made more impactful if rubbed with dried lavender or dabbed with lavender oil. The flowers can be burned or smoldered to induce peaceful and restorative sleep or rest or scattered around the home to maintain a peaceful atmosphere. For this reason, lavender was a very popular strewing herb, which were herbs that were strewn throughout the house along the floor and were said to be able to freshen the air, disinfect the home, and clear harmful energies in the process. Wearing lavender is said to protect from the evil eye or the mal de ojo, and was frequently added to purification baths, which were said to be able to cure the ill condition if it was already inflicted. In my home, there are quite a few items that only a trained eye or a sensitive sense might identify as protective in nature, especially at the front door, but one is a simple basket of lavender stems, fragrant, attractive, and potent. It is said one can drink lavender tea, make and carry a sachet, or eat food crafted with the plant to increase their brain power, or incorporate the herb or oil into their beauty routine and carry the flower on them to promote youthful longevity. Lavender's ruling planet is Mercury, making it useful for all workings that have to do with communication, especially where particularly cool heads will prevail. For this reason, it is also associated with the day of the week, Wednesday, and the element of air. Okay, so I'm about to wrap this episode up, but as a treat and to thank you for your patience while I was on break, I have a spell that I crafted that will require the pink moon, some lavender, and the lover's tarot card, among a couple other things uh, that I'd like to share with you here. And I will also be sharing it on the website if you want the written format. But first... I want to give a warm welcome and a very heartfelt thank you to my newest member of the Patreon community. Thank you so much and welcome, Tracy. I am so happy that you've joined us and I hope you love being a part of our little growing community. I will be going live on the private Patreon Facebook group on Friday tonight, if you're listening to this when this episode drops, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for all uh, my spell and ritual tier Patreons as part of the monthly spell. Uh, This time we're doing a fun spell bottle, so I'll be going live and creating and charging that with any members who feel like tuning in. You can either watch and perform your spell along with me or simply check it out on the Facebook page whenever you have a chance. The private page exists for Patreons of the spell tier and up so that we can share and discuss monthly spells or whatever else we want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash A is for agrimony to see if it's something that you might be interested in. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month and you can get in on all the fun for as little as $5 a month. Okay, without further ado, here is your pink moon spell to attract the ideal partner. And this is meant to work for anyone looking for a love interest, a new friendship, a business partner, a hobby body, any purpose that you might need a partner in crime for. Friday is a great day to perform this spell, especially during a waxing moon, i.e. tonight. Uh, And so is Wednesday, as that is all about clear communication. And we do have a waxing Wednesday coming up just before the full pink moon on Thursday. So for the spell, you will need the lover's card, the ace of cups, the two of cups, 
which is another card that's all about harmonious partnerships, and I can't wait to get to that one day. A pink candle, lavender oil, some rose or lavender incense, or both. Something to carve your candle with, or inscribe your candle with, rather. A pen and a small square of paper. And optionally, some ribbon, pink, if you have it. So begin by setting up your workspace with the Ace of Cups in between the Lovers and the Two of Cups cards. So you'll have them three in a row, the Ace of Cups in the center. And you can get creative here and decorate your space with rose petals, lavender flowers, tokens that represent the type of partnership you're hoping for, a representation of a deity or a spirit that would support this endeavor, whatever you want. Place your incense on your workspace and set it smoldering. And then begin the spell by inscribing symbols and or words into your candle that support your aim. You can write the words ideal partner. You can carve some hearts. You can use the Venus symbol or the Mercury symbol if you're working on a Wednesday or if communication is extremely important to you here, or you can use them both. Do whatever you want. This is one way that you customize this spell to meet your specific wants. The other way is with the paper. So after you finish carving your candle, you're going to anoint it with the lavender oil and set it up behind the tarot cards and light it. Next, by the candle flame, you'll take the paper and pen and write down a description of your ideal partner. This can be whatever you want, but keep in mind that you should be aiming to draw someone to you that is the right match, whoever that may be. The intention is not to write a specific person's name because we should respect each individual's free will. And remember, sometimes when you fuck around, you find out. <laughs> so when you've finished writing your description, dab the paper on all four corners with more lavender oil and then roll it up into a tight scroll rolling towards yourself. Here, you can tie it with the ribbon if you wish. When you've finished... Place the scroll directly on top of the Ace of Cups. This is the seed that will grow into a connection that you have described while being nurtured by the lovers and the Two of Cups on either side of it. Let the candle burn down all the way and then carry the scroll with you or in your bag or backpack until your new partner comes along. When they do, take the scroll and bury it while saying some words of gratitude. Okay, that is all that I have for you today. Please be well and have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. If you like what you've been hearing, please drop me a review wherever you listen. If you want some more content, please go to www.aisforagrimony.com where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, and soon to come, the coven shop. You can also follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony. That's an underscore in between every word. Or like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash a is for agrimony. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reachmargo at a is for agrimony.com. And if you're interested in some exclusive bonus content, you can join me over on Patreon at patreon.com slash a is for agrimony, where I share early release, unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, monthly spells, and much more. You're also welcome to send me some snail mail, if you're that kind of person, to P.O. Box 397, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, zip code 08003. I'd love a good surprise. <laughs> 
or not. I don't know. Anyway, thank you for listening. Be well and have an amazing weekend. Let the candle burn down all the way. My voice cracked. Did you guys know that I just hit puberty? It's awesome.